0: Very are you excited to preach today. Amen. Oh, yes. amen. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your love upon us, Lord. We thank you for the service this morning, the song that we sang. The Bible study, Lord, even though there's much that we don't know. But Lord, we just trust you. And Lord, help us to pick up and learn what we do know. Amen. And the, and the children's lesson, Lord. Lord, we just pray for the children's lesson next Sunday. Lord, as Carl, or I guess, teaches the children, Lord, just put a message on their hearts this coming Sunday, Lord, that we can learn, and we can grow, and we can do. Lord, just pray for this James Mass family and all the things yes. that are involved. Yes. Lord, I lost contact of what's going on with all that fiasco but Lord you haven't. Your eye sees. and so Lord we just lift up this family, the grandparents, all the families involved Lord and God I just pray that somehow yes. that your glory could shine through this dark Amen. moment Amen. and that you would get the glory Pray for Dumb, Jeremy's brother-in-law David Lord God, as He continues to search and opens His heart to You, Lord, I just pray that You would just continue to shine, shine Your light into um, His heart and on the Scriptures. And Lord, that He would just continue to grow in You and He'd just be a testimony for You. Lord, I pray for the singing this afternoon. Lord, as we um, preach the message and song, pray for the weather, Lord, that You would hold back the rain. Yes. And uh, Lord, that as we go sing for these people, that they would be encouraged. Yes. And now we just pray for Brother Mike, Lord. Yes. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, that he would just be able to share what's on his heart, and God, that your message could be shared and proclaimed through this brother, Lord, loose his tongue. And I pray, Lord, you would just give him courage. He would take all his insecure feelings and just give them to You and just Thank you, Lord. share Your Word. Bless him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you.
1: Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. A lot kind of going through me right now. Just sometimes I don't know where to start. The trouble is, once you get started, sometimes you don't know when to stop then. So it's got to come a time to stop because you guys are going to get hungry. And, uh, <laughs> and I will too. <laughs> Amen. Appreciate the Bible study. Well, everything here. Um, I think a lot of what I want to share today out of Psalm 23 really applies a lot to what's going on in the world today. And, and, and that involves the book of Revelation. And and, uh, and you, I know you hear me say this a lot and I just it, I sound like a broken record for those of you that know what a record is. Uh, <laughs> but I hear the message of warning of you've got to stay close to the Savior. You've got to, got to, got to, got to. Uh, I don't think we can hear that enough in this day and age uh, because we've got to. The deception that is out there is only going to get worse. This over here, oh, I humbly say I've I've been there. <coughs> I'm still battling with pulling out in my heart and soul and mind. And some of you know can relate and, and, and know. And, and so. But uh, if, if ever there's been a time where God is calling His people to come out from among them, be separate unto Me and worship Me and not a man or a, or a, a party or whatever it might be, that's what He's doing. He's calling His people, come unto Me. Oh, you that labor! This is labor over here. And guess what happened this time? It got filled with incredible disappointment. Hopes got dashed. You hear me say it before? I don't think it's all that bad. But nevertheless we got to stay close to the Savior. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our souls. And then He leads us in the paths of righteousness. What's it say? For His namesake. For His cause. It's for His glory and His honor. He's the one that's going to receive glory and honor. When it's all said and done, it's going to be everything about Him. And His call to us is, let people see Me in You. It's about Me. And He has every right to say that. The Lord is my shepherd. I hope you've been able to chew and ponder on saying the Lord is my The Lord is my shepherd. You can say that. He likes it when you say that. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and today he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. We're going to get through. I trust. That clock's not moving. Okay. That means I got all the time in the world.
0: <laughs>
1: no, uh, what time is it? I would like to. know. I want to be since eleven twenty-seven. So maybe it is working. Is it working?
0: <laughs>
1: That's not good for the people, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to fit this in here, but I don't if I don't make it. I don't make it. We'll, we'll hold off for next time to finish it off, but. A restored soul at the still waters. I've pondered this since Sarai's baptism. I've thought about that baptism a lot. Because when we got there, something happened. We got there down by the river. Nice, pretty, peaceful place by the river. There's something about a river that is just peaceful who doesn't like going to a river and just sitting down and just taking in what it seems to give off you know I do and it was no different this time and here we are this group of people God's people coming to for a baptism and we got there and we start showing up and we gather at the spot and Remember, there was a couple of boats there. People on boats. And I noticed this. They were fairly quick. To just kind of hightailing out of that area. I don't know if that was out of respect for us or if it was out of the fear of God. And I don't want to be around this. I don't know. I, you'd have to ask Him. But to me, I really felt like God was showing us something right there at Sarai's Baptism. God led his people to a beautiful peaceful place and he will do that now it may not be beautiful and peaceful according to our senses our eyes and ears and whatever but if he leads us there that's, it is if he says it is then it is the boats or to me the illustration was the world high-tailed it out of there. They fled. I didn't know that water out there would be deep enough for a boat to get out there. One really took off pretty quick, I remember. They left. It's like, get this man-made stuff out of here. He's chasing it off. I'm going to cleanse this place. I'm not trying to speak evil of those people. I don't know who they were But uh, this is just what the Lord was ministering to me. This particular moment it reminded me of uh, Moses when he went up to, to the burning bush and God spoke to him. He basically he said, take your shoes off. Says, and, and my interpretation of that is God was saying, don't bring anything man made up here to walk on my holy ground. You bring what I made and walk on this holy ground. And uh, so, don't bring anything man-made that makes a lot of man's noise. Boat motors, that kind of thing. Get it out of here. I'm going to meet with my people right here. I'm leading them beside the still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That just ministered to me. And what happened? Somebody got baptized. A soul got restored. He restoreth my soul. Just, I've not forgotten that. So, Sarah, God bless you. Thanks for your obedience. It blessed other people, whether you realize it or not. That was a blessing. I've never forgotten it. I just put an impression on my heart. He leads us beside the still waters, He restoreth our souls. Well, let's take a little dive in here into Philip Keller's book again. Uh,. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I'm going to try to get through this quickly here. But there's a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good illustrations. It will be noticed that here again, the key or the clue to where water can be obtained lies with the shepherd. It is he who knows where the best drinking places are. In fact, very often he is the one who, with much effort and industry, has provided the watering places. And it is to these spots that he leads the flock. Very true. We can trust our Savior, our Shepherd, that he will lead to good water. I think. We here in America don't appreciate the good water that we have enough in this land. You go to a country where they, this is illegal. They grab a hold of this like it's a, a, a glass of water they're desperate to have or they're going to die if they don't get it. We need a deeper appreciation for the water that God has led us to. And drink Drink it more, drink it more. We've got so many other... Well, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. Better be careful here. But uh, it is the Savior that is the shepherd that leads to the spot. If the supply of water for an animal drops off, bodily desiccation sets in. This dehydration of the tissues can result in serious damage to them. It can also mean that the animal becomes weak and impoverished. An animal is made aware of water lack by thirst. Thirst indicates the need of the body to have its water supply replenished from a source outside itself. Well, I know that. everybody. Anybody ever been thirsty before? How about today? Ever been thirsty just today? Yeah, we all have been. That's a gift from God. Just think what it would be if we didn't have that desire for thirst. If we if we were unable physically to get thirsty, it just didn't happen. We wouldn't live very long. So it's a gift from God that we even have this physical need for for water, and God gives us that sensation of thirst to help keep us going. Well, it's same way spiritually, we're made. With a thirst. I heard one brother say one time, we are creatures by nature. We're going to worship something. We are. We're going to thirst after something. God made us that way. Unfortunately, man's natural tendency is to try and quench that thirst with anything other than this that's our nature God also made it that way the only way you're going to get your thirst quenched is with this that's it, himself when sheep are thirsty they become restless and set out in search of water to satisfy their thirst if not led to to the good water supplies of clean, pure water they will often end up drinking from the polluted potholes where they pick up such Internal parasites as nematodes, liver flukes, or other disease germs. I don't know what those things are, but they sound terrible. I don't want them. A liver fluke. Yeesh. And in precisely the same manner, Christ, our good shepherd, made it clear that thirsty souls of men and women can only be fully satisfied when their capacity and thirst for spiritual life is fully quenched by drawing on himself. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be satisfied or filled. And at the great feast in Jerusalem, he declared boldly, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. All the long and complex history of earth's religions, pagan worship, and human philosophy is bound up with this insatiable thirst for God. Very well said. Why do things get invented, if you will? Whether it's a philosophy, an idea, or a literal thing, or something to tantalize your senses, whatever it is, to try and quench a thirst. That everybody, if they were honest, would admit they have. You're thirsty for something. I want to identify with something. Okay? Okay? You want to identify with your favorite sports team. You go out and buy a hat with their emblem on it. Or a t-shirt or something. Or your favorite rock and roll band. You go buy a t-shirt. Or whatever it is. Or you go buy their albums. Or however you do it nowadays. Uh, Whatever. You identify. There's a natural longing to want to identify. With something, somebody. And so, man invents things to try and meet that thirst. David, when he composed Psalm 23, knew this. Looking at life from the standpoint of a sheep, he wrote, He, the good shepherd, leadeth me beside the still waters. He alone knows where the still, quiet, deep, clean, pure water is, To be found that alone can satisfy his sheep and keep them fit and strong. Sheep can be fit, can keep fit on the amount of water taken in, now this is interesting to me, with the forage when they graze just before and after dawn. Of course, dew is a clear, clean, pure source of water, and there is no more resplendent picture of still waters than the silver droplets of the dew hanging heavy on leaves and grass at the break of day. That was fascinating to me. That they get a lot of their water off of the grass that they eat in the morning when the dew is out. So they're not only getting food, they're getting water at the same time. Which is what we get right here. That was interesting to me. I never knew that. I'm I'm not a shepherd. I mean, I read this years ago, obviously I forgot it, but but still that was interesting to me. But now listen to this. In the Christian life, it is of more than passing significance to observe that those who are often the most serene, most confident, and able to cope with life's complexities are those who rise early each day to feed on God's Word. It is in the quiet early hours of the morning that they are led beside the quiet still waters where they Uh, where they imbibe the very life of Christ for the day. This is much more than a figure of speech. It is practical reality. The biographies of the great men and women of God repeatedly point out how the secret of the success in their spiritual life was attributed to the quiet time each morning. There alone, still, waiting for the Master's voice, one is led gently to the place where the old hymn puts it, the still dews of His Spirit can be dropped into my life and soul. And it's so critical. That's true. I realize sometimes you have an occupation where it's a little bit backwards. Maybe you work more at nighttime than you do at daytime. But do you have that time each day that you spend with Him by the still waters? And how much time? Do you spend there? Our lives get so busy, I know that. But you know, there's that old poem, I can't quote it, but it basically talks about how busy a day was. I didn't have time to pray, and then the light finally came on, and he realized how busy my day was. I had to take time and pray. What else is the answer? Humanly, that doesn't make any sense. That's okay. God's ways don't make sense to to us anyway. But if you're not spending time drinking and eating and being led to that still water, letting Him lead you to that still water, you're going to be left thirsty. And. You'll look to something to try and fill that thirst. And this is the warning. You've got to fill and feed your thirst with Christ Himself. And nothing else. That will lead you down a path away from Him. He says, I can see my flock again. The gentleness, stillness, and softness of early morning always found my sheep knee deep in dew drenched grass. Nothing pleased me more. That made him happy, the shepherd, when he saw his sheep in the morning knee deep in dew drenched grass. He said, Oh, he said, that just thrilled my heart. Well, What does it do for Jesus, the Great Shepherd? He loves to see me contented, quiet, at rest and relaxed. He delights to know my soul and spirit have been refreshed and satisfied. You think it's refreshing for you when you do take that time to sit at the Savior's feet. It absolutely thrills His heart. Don't ever forget that. Remember, He's the one that says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, we'll come in and we'll sit down and we'll commune together. We'll sup together. We'll fellowship together. Our friendship will become tighter and sweeter. And I'll give you good water. Living water. By the still waters. That thrills His heart even more than it thrills ours. Don't forget that. There are those who, to quench this thirst in parched lives, have attempted to find refreshment in all sorts of physical pursuits and activities. They try travel or they participate feverishly in sports. They attempt adventures of all sorts or indulge in social activities. They take up hobbies or engage in community efforts. But when all is said and everything has been done, they find themselves facing the same haunting, hollow, empty, unfilled thirst within. The ancient prophet Jeremiah Put it very bluntly when he said, My people, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. These poor people have broken cisterns. Their lives are misery. I've yet to talk to a truly happy hippie, he says there. This was written in 1970, 50 years ago. Most of you weren't around at that time. I was around. I was still pretty young, but... Uh, it was, it was the hippie era, the '60s were the hippie era, you know, and, uh, and, and he lived through that, and he makes the statement, "I've yet to talk to a truly happy hippie." Their faces show the desperation within. You know, there was an event that took place, 1969, somewhere in there. Uh, a big hippie event it was called Woodstock it was a big concert of all these famous rock bands that came and the hippies came and the and and all the the people that embraced the mindset of the 60s came thinking this is going to be just wonderful you know heaven on earth and uh to me, it was interesting because, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't there. I was only 19 years old, 8, 19, something like that. And, you know, I, and I was living on a farm in Madras, Oregon, of all places, so I didn't know about, you know, what is this? And uh, so all I know is what I read about it, what went, took place, and it was terrible. It was awful. It was, yeah, it was bad. They also got rained on, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And And I thought the Lord was trying to say something to these people here. You know, you're trying to fulfill your own lusts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna douse it with rain from heaven to try to get you to wake up. You know, I think it's kind of funny myself. We lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 12 years, and they have the big, uh, uh, they have the big. Rodeo there, you know. Of course, you know how I feel about that. Why do we go to the or Why don't we go to the rodeo? And uh, it's the last ten days of July, usually right in there, is when it is. And you can just about bank on it. There'll be at least three days, maybe four, where it just pours. The thunderstorms roll in, and it just rains and it rains and rains. And I laugh every time. I think, ah, oh, again the Lord's just giving them a fill of their own again, you know. And, uh, but it's God, I think, just trying to get their attention, saying, You're trying to fill your thirst with something other than me. And it's not going to fulfill that thirst. You're still going to be thirsty when it's all said and done. You're going to be empty. That's what He's trying to tell people. And He's trying to warn us that know Him don't lack, don't fall behind. On drinking the living water. On coming up next to the still waters. My thirst for reality in life is assuaged and I discover that i found that satisfaction in my Master. Of course, there is always a percentage of perverse people who will refuse to allow God to lead them. They insist on running their own lives and following the dictates of their own wills. They remind me very much of a bunch of sheep I watched one day which were being led down a magnificent mountain stream. The snow-fed waters were flowing pure and clear and crystal clean between lovely banks of trees. But on the way, several stubborn ewes and their lambs stopped instead to drink from small, dirty, muddy pools beside the trail. The water was filthy and polluted, not only with the churned up mud from the passing sheep, but even with the manure and urine of previous flocks that had passed that way. Still, these stubborn sheep were quite sure it was the best drink obtainable. The water itself was filthy and unfit for them. Much more, it was obviously contaminated with nematodes and liver fluke eggs, that would eventually riddle them with internal parasites and disease of destructive impact. People often try this pursuit, or that with the casual comment, "Yeah, so what, I can't see that it's going to do any harm. That's true. Little do they appreciate that often there is delayed reaction and that considerable time may elapse before the full impact of their misjudgment strikes home. Then suddenly they are in deep trouble and wonder why. So true. The devil will convince you that a little bit of this water over here, it it won't hurt you. It's okay. And you name it. Whatever it is. It's something other than Christ Himself. And you may drink of that a little bit. And walk away and... That wasn't so bad, I guess, you know. So, well, hey, you know, maybe a little bit more. It starts off a little bit, and then a little bit, and then a little bit, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then finally you realize with a chain around your neck you can't break free from. That's how it works. And the devil knows that. Be on guard, and it's gonna, he's going to—he's working harder than ever, and he's going to keep working harder than ever, attacking God's very people, you, to try and get you to believe that. Well, you know, there there is so much out there. It'd be kind of fun. Be kind of fun. It's expensive. You don't have what it takes to pay the price to get out of a mess of of sin, of deceit. Be careful. Be careful. He leads us beside the still waters. What a picture of those sheep with good, fresh, clean water right there. And they get convinced that, no, this dirty, mucky stuff right here is better. But that happens to people. And there's not one of us here that's not susceptible to that. Okay? Don't doubt it. Stay humble before the Lord. I've seen people. I've known people that I have uh, that I went to school with years ago. I mean, I got born again when I was out of high school about a year and a half or so. I was 19. And it wasn't too long after that, that following summer, I met a few people that I went to school with that supposedly had gotten born again. And I thought, wow, praise God, amen. I could name uh, three or four. And I think there were some more. And I can name you one that I know I'm pretty sure has still stayed the course. The others fell away. They got pulled away. Convinced that You know, a little bit of water over here. A little bit of that mucky water. It can't be that bad. Yeah, it is. Don't buy it. The the living water comes from right here. Jesus ministered to the woman at the well. He just spoke the truth. Ask of me. I'll give you living water. She said, give me this living water. She really didn't know what she was asking for. But she was still asking the right question. Lord, give me the living water. Lead me beside the still water. That's where the living water is. Okay. He restoreth my soul. Interesting point that the writer here made. First of all, he did remind us. Psalm 23 is written by a sheep okay I mean it's God's word God wrote it through David but if you read it who's saying the Lord is my shepherd the sheep is making that declaration it's a testimony Psalm 23 is a testimony David's testimony marvelous testimony challenging testimony one that doesn't promise a bed of roses But it's got the promises of God all over it. So he says, It is the sheep in the good shepherd's care who is speaking. It is essentially a Christian's claim of belonging in the family of God. As such, he boasts of the benefits of such a relationship. Why then this statement, He restoreth my soul. Surely it would be assumed that anyone in in the good shepherd's care would never become so distressed in soul to need restoration but the fact remains this does happen and of course it does how many of us here would say yeah there's been more than one time lots of times when i felt in my heart i needed my soul restored man i many times we've all felt that way you know when you, when you get born again you're enrolled in th- into the army of god you become a soldier you also become a target, and the fact remains that sometimes soldiers—they need some rest. They need restored. The fight gets intense, beats you up. Not fun sometimes. You need restored. He restoreth my soul. That's not a, a criticism. Really, rather, really, if you think about it, it really is kind of a compliment. Indicates you've been fighting a good fight. I'm tired. Okay, praise the Lord. You've been fighting a good fight. That's a good thing. That's okay. That's not bad. I remember Denny one time. He he made a point. He said, "What do we do with what? does our country do with soldiers that come have to come back because they can't fight anymore? They've gotten injured. They got hurt. Whatever." I said, do we? Do we just throw them in the gutter and say, oh, you're no good for nothing anymore? He said, no, we could give them a, what they call a purple heart. We honor them. We have Veterans Day. We have Memorial Day. We honor them. They fought. They get respect. And yet sometimes, I, I wonder if we need to have a, learn a little bit of a lesson from that in God's family, in God's kingdom, to say, hey, these guys have been out fighting and they're beat up, they're tired. They... You know, maybe they, they, they need some rest and relaxation and, and they need restored. That, that's that's not a bad thing. It doesn't indicate a weakness, necessarily. But it is a reality. He restoreth my soul. We need, we need our souls restored sometimes. I'm not doing too bad here. Oh. He makes some interesting points down. He says in Psalm 42, David cries, I said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Now, it's true, sometimes our souls do need to be restored because we have gone astray. He makes a good point here. Now there is an exact parallel to this in caring for sheep out of Psalm 42, basically. Only those intimately acquainted with sheep and their habits understand the significance of a quote, cast sheep or a cast down sheep. This is an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that has turned over on its back and cannot get up again by itself. A cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away frantically, struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleed a little for help, but generally it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. If the owner does not arrive on the scene within a reasonable short time, the sheep will die. This is but another reason why it is so essential for a careful sheepman to look over his flock every day counting them to see that they're all able to be up and on their feet. If one or two are missing, often the first thought to flash into his mind is, one of my sheep is cast somewhere. I must go and search and set it on its feet again. What an illustration of the Lord Jesus. That is his heart. He goes through and makes a point here a little bit later that sometimes we can fall to the that notion that if i fall and i fall hard maybe i give in to sin that we we get the mindset of well god's probably just done with me he's probably fed up with me and i'm i'm just going to, have to lay here and die probably what's the use that is a lie if you are cast if you will. Like these sheep right here. What did this earthly shepherd do about it? He went and searched for them. Why? He loves them. Also, it is his business. It's for his own namesake. Okay? But, still, why do we have the story of the ninety and nine? The ninety-nine sheep. That stayed home. And the one that got lost. What happened? The shepherd. Jesus. Went looking for him. And he wasn't going to be satisfied until he found him. Because he loves him. That's how he feels about you. If you fall astray. I can rest assure you. He's going to come looking for you. What did God do when Adam fell? We see the picture right off the bat in Genesis. Adam fell. He tried to hide himself. What was God's response? He had a broken heart. He wasn't mad. His heart was broken. He said, Adam, where are you? Of course, he knew where he was, but in his heart, heart, God's heart cry was, Adam, what have you done? Where are you at? was his heart. Now, you want to walk away from Jesus. In one sense, He'll let you walk. In another sense, His heart's cry is, I'm going to go after you. And I'm going to get in front of you. And I'm going to get your attention, whatever it takes. Because I love you. And I want you to be with me forever. Don't you ever forget that. It breaks his heart. It doesn't make him mad and disgusted and say, ah, I'm through with you. That's never his heart. It's never his heart for you. he will never believe that. <clears throat> he will come after you like the shepherd goes after that sheep. The shepherd's frantic shirt. This is a search. This is Jesus and how He is when He finds you missing. And when He finds you missing and you're there and you're helpless and you with all your humility say, am sorry. Will you help me? You know what He's going to do? He, of course I will. Come unto me. Let me help you. Up. He's right there. Of course I will, He says. When he, uh, when he would find one that was cast, laying down, his feet sticking up in the air, he said he'd help it get up on his feet. He said he would rub its legs try and get some circulation going again. And he'd help it. He'd, he'd kind of stand over it. He'd hold it up kind of on top of it. Just giving it some therapy. Helping it out here. because i got to get my sheep back up on his feet again. That's the kind of care Christ has for you. Okay. He's a great physician. And He will do that for you if you need. If that's what you need. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever doubt that. He's not ever going to be done with you. If you've got breath in your lungs today, He's not done with you. He loves you and cares for you and has something for you to do. Don't doubt that. Okay, let's carry on here. All of this pageantry is conveyed to my heart When when I repeat the simple statement He restoreth my soul There is something intensely personal Intensely tender Intensely endearing Yet intensely fraught with danger in a picture On On the one hand there is the sheep so hopeless So utterly immobilized Though otherwise strong, healthy and flourishing While on the other hand there is the attentive owner Quick and ready to come to its rescue Ever patient and tender and helpful in the Christian life, there is an exciting and comforting parallel here. Many people have the idea that when a child of God falls, here we go again, he's frustrated and helpless in the spiritual dilemma, but God and that God becomes disgusted fed up and even furious with him, this is simply not so. Amen. That is right. When I read the life story of Jesus Christ and examine carefully his conduct in coping with human need, I see him again and again as the good shepherd Picking up cast sheep. The tenderness, the love, the patience that he used to restore Peter's soul after the terrible tragedy of temptation is a classic picture of Christ coming to restore one of his own. And he so and, and so he comes quietly, gently, reassuringly to me no matter when or where or how I may be cast down. And I believe that to be true when when Peter denied the Lord Jesus, the night that He was betrayed before the crucifixion—you know, you know the story. I saw of Luke, there. The accounts in Luke. And he looked and he saw the Lord Jesus, and Jesus was looking at him. I don't believe for a minute that Peter was—that uh, Jesus was looking at Peter with a look of disgust. Oh, Peter, you blew it. No, I don't. know. Peter's heart was broken when does a person when does a person's heart get broken when they've blown it big and yet they still see that the one they sinned against loves them and accepts them that's what breaks a heart that's what brings true repentant sinners to their knees when they see who they are and what they are and they see who he is and what he is and they see he loves yeah that breaks a person. Peter's heart was broken because he saw that Jesus still loved him intensely. Even in the midst of his great... I mean, he blew it a lot of times. He didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. But he really blew it that time. And he knew he did. And he saw that his Savior still loved him. And he went away and wept bitterly, it says there. You'll never convince me otherwise. Okay. How are we doing I'm going to skip some of this stuff over. I want to get to the next phrase here. Often when we're the most sure of ourselves, we're the most prone to fall flat. Very true. This is a good warning. Let me read it again. Often when we are most sure of ourselves, we are the most prone to fall flat. When we have a confidence inside of us that's beginning to come out of self and not... From him, then we become vulnerable and that's where we've got to say humble before the Lord and walk humbly with him. He showed the old man what to what is good and oh, how does it go out of Micah. but to do just the and to walk walk humbly before your Lord is what I'm looking for there. I'm sorry I kind of butchered that one and his warning to the church, at Laodicea in Revelation 3.17 God points out that though some considered themselves rich and affluent they were actually in desperate danger the same point was made by Jesus in his account of the wealthy farmer who intended to build more and bigger barns but who in fact faced utter ruin material success is no measure of spiritual health well said uh It is a good warning. You think about the church at Laodicea. God warned them. They thought they were doing pretty good. And Jesus, their Savior, had different thoughts. He said, no, you're not doing very good. You're actually not doing very good. I think the church in America could... Learn something from that. So be careful. Walk humbly. That way, excuse me. He can restore you. He restoreth my soul. Man, if there's anything, if if, if you're that sheep, that cast sheep, as he describes here, you gotta know the shepherd's on your side, and he's there ready. To pick you up, set you back on your feet. He'll work with you a little bit. In a certain, well, in a a big way, I kind of feel like that's me. I had a job that was very taxing for me. Worked a lot of hours. Oh, my knees hurt on that concrete, and. It's a stretch for me to step out of that little bit more secure income. It, it wasn't a lot. But now now I'm I gotta sell parts and my income's directly related to sales. Eh, it scares me a little bit, Lord. Maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. But my hours have been greatly reduced. And I've had a lot more time in the morning. It's been pretty precious. I've missed it. And I begin to feel like a restoring coming to my soul. And man, you can't put a price tag on that. I mean, you can't. You, you just can't. Now, some of you guys, you young men especially, I know some of you, you work, well, some of the old guys too, I know, you work long, hard hours. It's okay, work hard when you're young. But somehow, some way, you've, you've got to find time to get to the still waters and let Him restore your soul. You've got to find time for that. And if that means somehow i got to back off. i got to work some fewer hours. I, I, something's got to change. Your jobs and your income isn't worth the health of your soul. There's a price tag on your job, on every job. You can't put a price tag on your soul. It's priceless. That's it's going to last forever. It's priceless. Okay, one more here. I'm going to try to get through this as much as I can, quickly as I can here. I got a late start, so I'm going to take a little liberty to go a few minutes late here, but. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. One thing that struck me. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. What's the next verse? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Are you saying that's the path of righteousness? Well, that's the next verse. It's not always fun. In fact, a lot of times it's not. Most of the time. Because it takes a denial of self. And self does not like to be denied, it wants to be fulfilled. As we talked about earlier. But that is the path that leads to life. And if you will follow the Master, the Shepherd, truly from your heart, He's only going to lead you on a path of righteousness, a path that takes you closer to Himself. He will. He's not going to lead you down a path of the world. He's not going to... He, he's not going to he's either one. Like you said, there's a lot of lies. say are very true. This is where He's going to lead you. And a lot of times, it's like a valley with the shadow of death all around. That's the path of righteousness. But He leads you down that path for His namesake. Something I noticed here. That He mentioned. He mentions the honor of the shepherd. The honor of the good manager of the flock. The owner of the flock. You know, I told you before, my dad, he had a small herd of black Angus cows. And he took care of his cows. And he, you know, I, I, did he love his cows? Well, I, yeah, he loved his cows. I mean, I grew up with my dad. I saw what he... You know, I wondered sometimes if he liked his cows more than he liked his boys. But uh, I, deep down, I don't think so. But, but he loved his cows. But still, ultimately, he had a business. That was his livelihood. And he had to take care of his cows... So that his name, his business name, could remain up high and people could know it. That Ed Molman there, he's got good Black Angus bulls. You can count on him. If you need bulls, Black Angus bulls, you can go see Ed. So he kept, it was for his namesake. You see? Well, the, the principle is the same. Except what's at stake is eternity. It's a lot... Bigger deal than my dad's little ranch. A lot bigger deal. A commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. The truth is quite the reverse. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. Now, I've got to tell you, that's a little bit humbling to me because we are sheep. You are a sheep. I am a sheep. And he's saying, the truth is quite the reverse. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. Okay, what, you, what are you telling Mike, you're high maintenance. So are you. Uh, see, we don't like to hear that. That's, that's humbling. It is. But it's good to hear the truth. No doubt, David, as a shepherd himself, had learned this firsthand from tough experience. He knew beyond dispute that if the flock was to flourish and the owner's reputation was to be held in high esteem as a good manager, the sheep had to be constantly under his meticulous control and guidance. Oh, wow. Very well said. That's our shepherd over us. He's meticulous, he's picky. He's under control because the honor of His name is at stake. And when we willingly place ourselves under His care, He will get honored and people will see Him. People will reject Him. But they'll still see Him. That's okay. he goes on and talks about what a flock looks like under a poor shepherd a bad shepherd it's not pretty there must be a predetermined plan of action a deliberate planning plan of rotation from one grazing ground to another in line right with right and proper principles of sound management, the owner's entire name and reputation depends on how effectively and efficiently he keeps his charges moving onto wholesome new fresh forage. The one who directs his flock along this course is sure of success it's all about him as you as you grow in the Lord and as you w- walk you'll he will open up your eyes more and more to see that wow, it's It's not about me. I mean, God blesses me and takes care of me, and I'm thankful for that. But I begin to see that He leads me down a path of righteousness so that others can see Him through me and through us as a body. It's all about Him. When when the end comes, and we're getting there in Revelation, it's going to be all about Him. Everything's going to be about Him. He's the one we're going to be just enthralled with. I got a feeling we're not going to ever, probably ever, 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 ever want to take our eyes off of him and his majesty and glory. He's going to be so wonderful and glorious. Who doesn't love to go to the coast and just take in the beauty and just soak it in? It kind of mesmerizes you. It does me. And yet, multiply that maybe by a a trillion, maybe, maybe, maybe fifty trillion. How all the awe that's going to be there when we see Him. We can't imagine how wonderful it's going to be. It's all about Him. Oh boy. We have a sick society struggling to survive on beleaguered land. The greed and selfishness of mankind leaves behind a legacy of ruin and remorse. He said this 50 years ago. What would he say now, I wonder? But as far as actually being led in paths of righteousness is concerned. Precious, is concerned, precious few of us follow that path. I mentioned before, the people that I've seen walk away, many of them, over and over and over and over again. When God begins to lead His people down a path of righteousness, it's not always pretty, like I said before. But it's necessary for His name to be honored and seen. And so by faith, can I encourage all of us, when He leads you down that path, keep a hold of His hand and trust Him. You can trust Him. He's the Good Shepherd. He knows what He's doing. Even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. He will lead you down the path of righteousness. Don't fall away. Don't don't be anything other than that ground in which the seed fell onto and it grew remember there's four examples given there only one out of four made it you be that one out of four it's your choice it's my choice it's our choice to continue to hold his hand down the path of righteousness because remember it's all about him it's not about us it's not about me I have written down here. Remember Rick's children's lesson on January 1st, 2006 about the ship Paul was on that landed in Malta. You know the story. Got on the ship. They all got on the ship and they were going to go. They didn't listen to Paul. And they started going. I think in the King James, it's, it's Melita. I think in another other place they call it Malta and they were out on the ocean and and Rick this guy this brother Rick 15 years ago he's got where were they at Crete and they want to go up here but and here's Malta over here and the storm hits 14 days. Can you imagine being on a ship built in the first century and being out in a storm for two weeks straight? No let up. None. Does that sound like a path of righteousness? Whoo wee Brother, he's stretching me here. He stretches me. But Rick's perspective was... Here these guys were. Man, so we're going to die. What's, what's the deal, you know? I, I wouldn't have blamed Paul for asking God, saying, God, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. What a testimony. He didn't appear to be that way. Maybe he did through part of it. But, I, I mean, I, I confess, I would be. What is going on? What good is coming out of this? How's the gospel getting advanced here? And yet, Rick's point was, God looks at the whole globe. He's over here looking and he's saying, yes, yes, they're making good progress. They're going to be here right when I want them to be there. Oh, I'll never forget that children's lesson. That wasn't children, that was for us. But God's perspective was the path of righteousness. No, it wasn't fun for these. But God knew exactly what he was doing and he was watching and he was saying, yes, this is good. This is good. You remember that. When you're on that boat that was built 2,000 years ago and that storm and blast and everything, everything is going wrong, and you're wondering what is going on, He's still the one that leads you besides the still waters. He's still the one that restores your soul. He's still the one that leads you down the path of righteousness because His honor and name's, name's honor is at stake. Trust Him. Walk with Him. Okay? We're going to need this. We're going to need to walk closely with Him and trust Him no matter what happens. Because the days are incredibly evil. The days are very evil. Oh, I could carry on and carry on and carry on, but I don't think there's any point in it. God bless you and walk with your Savior and trust Him. And let's just give our lives unto Him as He leads us on our day-to-day lives. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Brother Mike. I like this opening comment where it says he talked about drinking the fresh morning dew. I just penciled in here, and then he alluded to it later. Are we drinking from the fresh morning dew? Um, from God's Word. <clears throat> you know, we live in turbulent times. Then there's this verse that came to